Welcome back to the Refugee Report. We apologize for the delay in posting. Some of us have been moving into college, so our time has been limited. However, we really want to continue this podcast into college. The best way you can support us in doing this is by sharing the podcast and interacting with our social media. The more you engage with us, the easier it will be to produce these episodes. Thank you all for being such loyal listeners. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. This week's focus is Tibet. The region has been subjected to numerous human rights crimes over the decades. This has created one of the world's most prolonged refugee crises. Before explaining why this is, we would like to warn you that the information and audio presented in this episode may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Tibet is a remote Buddhist region in southwestern China. It is high-rising Himalayan mountains and a dry climate. It borders India, Nepal, and Bhutan. Buddhism in Tibet stems back to the 7th century. The Dalai Lama is the spiritual leader. The Panchen Lama is the second most important spiritual figure in the faith. Both men are considered reincarnations of their predecessors. Throughout history, Tibet has been ruled by Chinese and Mongolian dynasties. However, for most of its history, Tibet was its own autonomous nation. Its unique geography protected the region from most invaders. This allowed Tibet to develop its very own unique language and culture. Prior to 1951, Tibet was ruled by a theocratic government. This changed in 1951 when Chinese troops went in Tibet causing Tibetan leaders to sign the 17-point agreement. This relinquished Tibet's independence and turned it into a semi-autonomous state under China. The hope was that the signing of this agreement would halt Chinese aggression in the region. However, human rights abuses against Buddhist Tibetans increased throughout the 1950s. This led to a failed anti-Chinese uprising in Tibet that further destabilized the region. This caused the Dalai Lama to flee Tibet in 1959. Tezpur, in the northeast of India, has become known all over the world, for it was here that India received the Dalai Lama after his flight from Tibet. India offered the God King of Buddhism a safe refuge from the Communist Chinese. The 23-year-old spiritual head of the 500 million Buddhists throughout the Far East confirmed that he had been forced to leave his capital. The Dalai Lama ended up in northern India, where de facto Tibetan government was established. Since the Dalai Lama's departure, Tibet has greatly suffered. In 1959, there was a famine in Tibet that left thousands of Tibetans dead. In 1962, Tibet was caught in the crosshairs of a war between China and India over border disputes. The Chinese government also destroyed 90% of Buddhist monasteries in Tibet throughout the early 1960s. This was considered part of the Cultural Revolution in China, and many of these monasteries were converted into state-sponsored museums. Following the death of Mao in 1976, China entered a period of slight reconciliation with Tibet. The government admitted to some past mistakes. In 1983, the Dalai Lama was even allowed to send a team to negotiate on his behalf in Beijing. However, these talks in Beijing fell apart, and Tibet entered another tumultuous period. Throughout the 1980s, there were numerous pro-independence demonstrations in Tibet that were harshly repressed by the Chinese government. There are multiple instances of authorities opening fire on crowds of protesters. Furthermore, in 1995, the Chinese government detained the newly identified Panchen Lama. As mentioned, the Panchen Lama plays a key role within the Buddhist faith. 
there is a strict process in which the Panchen Lama finds the next Dalai Lama after the Dalai Lama dies, and the Dalai Lama does the reverse. However, the Chinese government is at odds with the Dalai Lama about the 11th Panchen Lama. The Panchen Lama identified by the Dalai Lama Gendu Nima has been detained by the Chinese government. In his place, the government has propped up a different Buddhist as Panchen Lama who is pro-Chinese. This puts Buddhism in great jeopardy because without the proper observance of this process, Buddhists will be deprived of their spiritual leaders. Today, after decades of repression, human rights crimes are still ongoing in Tibet. Religious freedoms, speech, movement, and assembly continue to be strictly controlled. In addition, local officials have been accused of stealing land for mining purposes. These land grabs are a result of intimidation and unlawful uses of force. There is also a nationwide anti-crime campaign in which Tibetans are encouraged to denounce members of their community who express greater support for the Dalai Lama or show opposition to the Chinese government. This has been largely enforced because online and phone communication is intensely monitored in Tibet. The Chinese government also continues to tamper with Buddhism in Tibet. As recently as 2019, authorities expelled nuns and monks from monastery in Sichuan, a region just outside of Tibet. They've accused them of not having proper residency in the area. They were then deported and detained for re-education. This concept of re-educating Buddhist figures continues to be a trend in China. Religious leaders are being forced to accept government laws in the next search for the Dalai Lama. Also, there has been a tightening of control over monasteries. There have even been calls for legal exams to determine a religious leader's observance of political ideology. As a result of this oppression, some Tibetan Buddhists have engaged in a horrifying form of protest called self-emulation. This is the act of burning yourself alive in public out of protest. A long struggle in another place has taken an alarming turn. In Tibet, more and more people are resorting to an extreme protest, self-immolation. It's happening often these days in a tightly controlled area where journalists are not welcome. Here are some of the statistics on self-immolation. 157 Tibetans have self-immolated in Tibet and China since 2009. 125 of these people are known to have died in the act. 26 of those who have committed this act have been under the age of 18, and 10 self-emulations have been committed by Tibetans in exile. This is an incredibly disturbing form of protest, but it highlights how fierce the movement for Tibetan independence is. If you want to learn more about self-emulation in Tibet, there's an organization called the International Campaign for Tibet. Their website tracks self-emulation statistics, and they have the individual stories of those who took part in this act. For example, you can read about Yonten, a 24-year-old former monk who died in 2019, only two years ago. The link to this organization can be found in the description of this episode. This situation has caused many Tibetans to leave their homes and flee to neighboring countries. According to Tibetan authorities, around 150,000 Tibetan people continue to be displaced since the Tibetan diaspora began. Many have gone to neighboring India, Nepal, and Bhutan. Most of these refugees have ended up in India. For this reason, the Central Tibetan Administration, or CTA, has been set up in India as the exiled Tibetan government. According to the CTA, the number of Tibetan refugees fleeing the Chinese government has dropped in recent years, from an average of 3,000 people annually 
to just around 100 people annually. This could be a sign that the situation is improving. However, it most likely indicates that life for these refugees in their new countries is becoming increasingly difficult. Many Tibetans have recently begun to leave India, with most going to the United States, Germany, Canada, and Switzerland. This is because of the lack of job opportunities for Tibetans in India. Tibetans are not officially recognized as refugees in India. Instead, on paper, Tibetans are called foreigners. Also, India has refused to sign the 1951 United Nations Convention on Refugees. For this reason, Tibetans are not allowed to hold government jobs, and some universities do not offer Tibetans jobs. Many Tibetan refugees also claim that buying property and accessing bank credit in India is difficult for them. The Indian government has even issued a directive banning Indian politicians and bureaucrats from meeting with CTA officials or attending CTA events. The situation in Nepal isn't any better. The United Nations has noted that in the past, Nepal has detained and attempted to deport Tibetan nationals back to Tibet. This is especially strange because Nepal is a predominantly Buddhist country. One potential explanation for this is that the government in Nepal is strengthening economic ties with the Chinese government. Therefore, there could be pressure to appease Chinese officials. Although the situation in these countries isn't great, most Tibetans still cannot return to their home. This has created one of the world's most unique refugee crises because some refugees fled back in the 1950s. This means there are multiple generations of Tibetan refugees living in exile. Listen to second-generation Tibetan refugee Tenzin Sundu explain how this has created a complicated legal situation for him in India. This means that I am born in India and registered to be living in India, and this is valid for one year. Although I'm born in India, it says you are a foreigner living in India. Instead of saying citizenship India, it says place of origin Tibet. So it's diplomatically worded to say that I have some link with Tibet because my parents came from Tibet, but falls short of recognizing Tibet as a country and Tibetan as a nationality. Tenzin makes up a generation of Tibetans who weren't born in their home country. In fact, many of them haven't even been to Tibet. In order to educate people about this, a Tibetan activist named Konseng Tenzing has started a social media initiative called Stories of Tibetans. This Facebook page has numerous videos of Tibetan refugees explaining the unique struggles they face on a daily basis. The link to this Facebook page is in the description. I highly recommend watching some of their videos. Their stories help to explain why they're in such a difficult situation. Before ending this episode, we would like to recommend an organization that is helping Tibetan refugees. This week, it is the Tibet Fund. This organization allows donors to directly sponsor a Tibetan refugee in need that is living in exile. Their link will be in the description below. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at WartimeAid. If you want to learn more about a specific refugee crisis, please DM us on Instagram and we will try to make an episode about that topic. Tune in next week to learn about the refugee crisis in Somalia. As always, thank you for listening.